Hi there. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm happy to uh, have you tune in with me today. Well, in any day you want to tune in is just fine with me. All right. The Woman Inspired Podcast can be found on wherever you're tuning in right now, but it can also be found if you just click on my website, womaninspired.com. Got all kinds of things out there that you can look at. And if you are looking to book a speaker, do some um, intensive uh, retreat or something totally comedic, off the wall, fun, funny. I've got links on there too. So you can uh, schedule for 2023 and 2024 right now. All right. This podcast is just one of so many wonderful podcasts out there. And if you're looking for other educational, faith building, um, wonderful podcast. You can go out to accessmore.com. If you've never heard of it, I'm sharing it now. And you might've heard of it before, because if you've heard my podcast, I talk about it. They have faith leaders like Bob Goff, Torrin Wells, Lisa Harper, all kinds of people, Christine Kane, that you can go out there and check out. And some that you probably have never heard of that you really would like to tune into. So if you're looking for more faith-based podcasts in a safe place to go look for them, where you're not going to find all kinds of things you don't really want to be tempted to click into, Access More is the place. So I hope you'll hop out there and do that, accessmore.com. But don't do it until you're done listening to this podcast, please. (laughs) Okay, today's podcast title is One Bloody Mess. Yeah, that doesn't sound nice, does it? Well, It doesn't, and it's not nice. And so I'm going to talk about some things that are not so nice. Warning, warning, but I hope you'll stay tuned anyhow so you understand what I'm talking about. All right, this is what God's just really put on my heart here lately um, because of the time of year we're in. Um, But let me start with some quotes, some pod quotes, as I call them. All right, so the first one is directly from the Bible. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That's a beautiful scripture. All right. And a quote from R.A. Torrey. We must know the power of blood if we are to know the power of God. Our knowing experimentally the power of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of prayer is dependent upon our knowing the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that. It's very wise, a little deep, and spot on. All right, so not sure when you're tuning into this particular episode, um, but as I'm recording it, it's nearly the end of October. And with the end of October comes bloody, slasher, gory, creepy, sick, sick, sick movies and TV shows. Oh, and the crazy costumes, of course, with loads of candy because in the United States, this is the thing called trick-or-treating at Halloween. So now, when our son was younger, (laughs) he didn't want to trick-or-treat. He hated it. And it took us till he was about seven years old to catch on to the fact that if we told him, if you don't behave, you're not going to be allowed to go trick-or-treating, then he would automatically misbehave. seriously in big ways so instead of sharing with us that he didn't want to go trick-or-treating he just act up knowing that we meant what we said and so he would be told he couldn't go once we dense parents that we were at the time once we caught on to it 
uh, we'd ask him if he would just like to stay home and pass out treats to the other kids instead of going door to door. And he did. He loved to sit on the porch with me and pass out candy. Um, so when all the other kids came, he was comfortable. We spent many Halloweens just ooing and aahing over costumes. Um, on the young and the old, by the way, because a lot of parents, like my husband, like to dress up and go around with their kids. One year, my husband went as our dog and um, <laughs> I painted spots on him and he had ears and a, an outfit. <laughs> it was very cute. And our daughter went as a veterinarian uh, because that's what she wanted to, to be. <laughs> anyway, it was very cute. So they like to dress up and go from door to do door. But my son and I also, we, we dressed up in whatever costumes that we wanted to dress up in. Uh, his was always a superhero, still is. Um, mine was always something goofy and funny, something totally silly. Um, and then my son and I would plant ourselves on the porch and on that porch, by the way, is where I taught him how to make a starburst or a Tootsie roll soft enough to eat without hurting your teeth. Shh. I'll tell you my secret if you don't tell anyone else. All right. As you're sitting there, put the nicely wrapped piece of candy beneath your knee, you know, in the knee pit and lightly keep your knee closed. Let it sit there for a few minutes. Take it out, unwrap it, and it will be soft, a little bit warm, and delicious. <laughs> and to this day, that is still the way I eat candy if I'm going to eat it, and um, so does my son. <laughs> I know people think it's strange, but hey. All right, so one of the reasons my son didn't want to go trick-or-treating was that good old Halloween sight of gory costumes the fake blood dripping from people, the masks that look like they had skin coming off of them and severed limbs hanging from someone's costume. You know, I never liked those sights, not even myself growing up. Um, there weren't near as many when I was growing up as there are today, too. I mean, it wasn't nearly as gory. I mean, we had those plastic masks that you could barely breathe through, and most of them were cartoons, you know, like... Um, Mickey Mouse or uh, Donald Duck or um, what's that little ghost? Casper the Ghost, things like that. Um, or we would just make our own costumes and dress as celebrities or something silly or put, you know, poke some holes in a sheet and go as a ghost. Um, so it's vastly different um, now, especially even than it was 20 years ago versus 30 or 50 years ago. Um, and all of it, when my son was younger, was just too much for him. And I agreed. I, I've never liked that kind of blood and guts and gore. I don't watch slasher movies, horror, holiday flicks, or TV shows, especially the ones that delve into murder and mayhem. And so we didn't let, let our kids watch them either. As adults, they, you know, they have their own choices. But no matter what they choose as adults, I'm thankful that we didn't fill their heads with those sights and sounds when they were younger because I have seen a trend in kids our age, um, kids people the same age as our kids I mean I've seen a trend in them and in younger kids and now our kids are are adults but they're still kids to us um and I've seen this trend it's a mess it's become a mess that's taught youth over the years that blood and guts are the norm that the blood that's shed in in real life is no big deal because it's like a no big deal to them in a movie it, whether it's in a slasher movie or, or blood that's spilled during wars uh, in movies, it doesn't seem real to them. So it's no big deal. 
people have become desensitized to the idea of bloodshed, period. Plain and simple. It's on TV, social media, video games. It's in movies. It's in books everywhere. I actually looked up some stats. Well, I was going to look up stats, but actually I ended up looking at a list, which is kind of more to the point. Okay, you ready? <clears throat> I'm just going to name some things off. This are, these are This is a list just from just... And this is a partial list, all right? Just from 2021. Movies that came out in 2021. Halloween Kills, The Malignant, The Unholy, Antlers, Fear Street, Old, Dashcam, Lamb, Jeepers Creepers, Spiral, There's Someone Inside Your House, Resident Evil, VHS 94, Werewolves Within, A Classic Horror Story, Candyman, The Medium, Forever Purge. This is, that. that's a list of, Oh, I don't know how many was that 15 movies out of 135 movies that were released in mainstream in the movie theater and on streaming in the United States last year. That's just the horror movies. And I'll inform you that that's the horror movie category. That doesn't include the ones with blood and guts from war, terrorism, everyday street crime, um, documentaries, forensic file type shows that are put out there. That's just from one year. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds across the world put out in 2021. You probably already knew this, right? Some people do, some people don't. Um, unfortunately, when I, you know, did that research and I went down that little rabbit hole, it was even worse than I thought it was. So what's my point? Blood. That's my point. It's one bloody mess out there. And because of it, we've become desensitized as a world, as a worldwide culture, pretty much to bloodshed and what bloodshed means. Th this fact is has affected, I believe, the Christian faith and the reality that we have a Savior who died on the cross for our sins, a Savior who shed blood himself for us so that we could be saved. He took the punishment. He was the sacrificial lamb. Literally, he sacrificed for us. I had a mentor. I think I mentioned him in another podcast one time, but I'm going to go a little deeper here. But I had a mentor, a pastor from years ago who told me, just a few weeks before he passed away, that he needed me to tell people what he had realized, that we need to look beyond the blood because the blood didn't mean anything to people anymore. He was in his mid-70s at the time, and he had spent months while he was ill previous to this, studying, praying, and digging even deeper into his faith and his relationship with Jesus. And he told me two things. One was that he was so sad that he got it wrong for so many years because he was preaching about the blood, just preaching about the blood, which is what you're taught, especially old time is that you're, te you're teaching that the blood was shed for us, which is true. It's not that it was, but that was the main thing. And the only thing that he preached about, and he said, Jesus was only about two things. And he should have preached about those two things more often. That was his number two. He should have preached about those two things. He wanted me to remember that when it comes down to it, Jesus died for love. And the two things that he should have preached more about were love and mercy. 
because Jesus died for love, the love of his heavenly father, the love of his brothers and sisters, the love of his people, all people, us, you, me, all of us. And Jesus didn't care what you looked like, what your station in life was, how much money you had, whether you were a man or a woman, a Jew or a Gentile, he loved and he showed mercy to even the most of us, uh, would what mostly what people would consider the most horrible and vile and sick or sad or mentally ill or unhealthy person, Jesus would still show mercy. Those were the two things, love and mercy. So in that talk, when we talked, me sitting in his hospital bed, him smiling and joking, he was joyful even in his pain. He told me that the only thing we can preach on anymore is love and mercy because the blood or the idea of blood and bloodshed has lost its power to move and reach people. Because while it's immensely significant that Jesus bled to death on that cross and it was the ultimate bloodshed and it was the outward action of an inner love and a beautiful form of mercy for all of us, the vision of a man dying on the cross for us is mild and meek when you compare it to today's video game scenarios and the latest serial killer chronicles or the most recent slasher movies and action hero twists. And he was right. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Yet people now, young and old, are attuned to the slash and trash entertainment. And they, they can't be moved by the vision that is the reality of Jesus being nailed to the cross through his wrists and his feet and being stoned to death and pierced in the side and shedding blood and him dying up on that cross. They're not being moved by it. In this pastor's mind, my mentor's mind, in his heart and mind, after a lot of prayer, he said that the world was all one bloody mess now. And the only way to reach people with the hope of Jesus Christ was differently than we have in the past. Because you see, I know what he's talking about. I remember when I was younger and I learned about communion. Uh, in Luke twenty-two twenty, it says, um, it says in, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Again, that's from Luke twenty-two twenty, And he talks about when here in this verse that Jesus broke bread and compared the bread to his body and the wine to his blood. This is where we get the symbolic gesture of taking communion. So we do it to remember that Jesus shed blood for us and his body was broken for us. But the significance in that anymore seems so small. Even in a lot of churches, they almost gloss over communion and the depth of meaning in communion. Communion has become more about confessing your sins. And trying to get yourself right, right with Jesus once a month um, as they they break bread, which most of them don't break bread anymore because of, well, you know, 
I recall actually when I was younger, just being freaked out by the fact that we would all go to this church building, eat bread and sip juice out of the same cup, even though we called it the blood of Jesus. And it was freaky to me. I mean, Hey, a hundred people drinking from the same cup. What? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the way it used, used to be in a lot of churches. Most churches have stopped doing that. I mean, I'm just sorry, but even though the minister wipes the edge of the chalice off after each person, it does not negate the germs that might enter the juice from everybody drinking out of the same cup. Oh, now if it's actual wine, you're probably safer because the alcohol will kill germs, right? But if you got stuck with the, the Welch's grape, the surface might be infectious in more than one way. I'm just saying. <laughs> so heck, even just before COVID, some churches would do what we would call in the ministry rip and dip. No, it's not a nice term, but it means ripping the piece of the large loaf of bread off when you go forward for communion. You know, someone will hold that loaf of bread and you reach up and you rip off, off a piece of that bread and then you dip it in the wine. That was communion back then as well. And a bunch of hands that were God knows where ripping bread off of the same loaf and dip it in into a cup of juice or wine that was... I don't know, washed, I don't know when. And and people wonder why I have OCD issues. <laughs> this, this was communion growing up. But we were supposed to remember that the wine or the juice represented the blood of Jesus Christ. So, but no worries now because most churches have those little tiny pre-filled cups and small wafers all pre-packaged on a, uh, and placed on a tray. Um, praise Jesus for little favors for me and my OCD friends. Um, but anyhow, going, going further, I just want to say, does that small token of quiet, solemn communion, observing the breaking of Jesus's body and the shedding of his blood have the deep moving effect in the church as it used to? No, I don't think it does. Not for most people. I wish that it did. And I think that it does for some people, especially if they were raised with the significance of what it meant. It, it, it was always personally emotional and significant to me, and it still is. And I love when I get a chance to take communion. I've taken classes and done studies on the real life devastating effects that hanging on a cross does to the human body. And remember, Jesus was just not the son of God, but the son of man. He had an earthly, fleshly human mother, Mary. He had a fleshly body that he was in while he was here. He felt pain. He wept. He laughed. He bled. I won't go into all of the gory details because believe me, they are indeed gory and horrific. But the stoning, the spear in his side, the nails in his wrists and feet are only part of his pain. But you know what? Many people who might hear this are so desensitized to the thought of that pain and the idea of the bloody mess. That's the bloody mess that happened that day when Jesus was crucified. Because it seems like a video game or a movie in their minds. And what happens when they get up from playing a video game or shut the movie off for the, uh, for the night after the credits roll. They see those same characters and actors again in something else the next day or the next week when they log back in or they start to stream something else. It doesn't seem like reality, but this is reality that someone did sacrifice for us, did die for us, did suffer that we might not have to suffer death, but have eternal life. 
He was the sacrifice for our sins. That's the truth. That's the reality. And yet so much of our world today has a fictionalized idea of what that might have looked like. And it is so much less impressive than the blood, the guts, and the gore of the mega list of horror and war movies and the video games and the social media stunts that are being soaked into the minds of the human race at large in our culture today. And my mentor knew this. It had to be the Holy Spirit because he knew something even more, more cloudy and destructive was coming. He knew it from his gut instinct. He knew it deep down inside. He knew it from reading Revelation. He knew it from reading prophecy. And he knew it 15 years ago. And he knew it just from seeing it in the eyes of his congregants and in the eyes of the students that he taught. He knew that we were gradually, slowly, purposely being desensitized to the truth. That the blood of Jesus that was shed means so much and yet the world would no longer have the understanding of the depth and the immense significance of that bloodshed even though he said it 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 wasn't okay he knew he couldn't change that that ball had already started rolling I mean it wasn't okay to him because he knew the significance in it but there was nothing he could do but he also knew that the bible said said hey this has happened and this is going to happen so look out be prepared okay the bible really doesn't say it quite like that but you get the point there's prophetic word in the bible and this wise man also knew that we had to change the parts of when to say change the parts we had to also share other parts of who jesus was and emphasize those parts not because Jesus has changed, not, not because there wasn't one bloody mess on Calvary that day, because there was, and that's the truth. But because Jesus didn't live to shed blood, he lived to love and to show mercy. He did it through the shedding of his blood, but he lived to love and to show mercy. He died to show that love and mercy, and he will come again to bring love and to show mercy. So beyond the blood, beyond the cross, that is what the bloody mess was about. That is what will speak to people's hearts and minds today and move beyond the bloody mess that we see in entertainment and social media and culture today. Love and mercy. That's what will move beyond that bloody mess. And truth, because the truth is Jesus' bloodshed was wholly, completely, willingly an act of mercy and an act of love that no current day slash and dash movie or real life killer or video game could ever video game could ever repeat. It was an act that no one can erase and and it can't be denied when all is said and done, even though some people want to deny it. Acts 20, 28 has a suggestion to the churches back then um, and now. It says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. 
I embrace that word from the Bible because it's for all churches, for all of the body of Christ. There's not one of us who gets it right all the time or gets it perfect because that's not the way we're made. We just don't, but we're supposed to try and we're supposed to recognize that in the bloody mess, that was the death on the cross. There was a sacrifice and a glorious resurrection. It was a heart wrenching, horrible, yet beautiful action of mercy and love that we get to benefit from. There was power in that bloodshed. There was power in that bloody mess. Today's bloody messes are empty, frivolous, pointless, selfless, selfish, and not selfless. Now, that being said, sometimes there are selfless moments of bloodshed and death today and in our world and in our history. Those in the military, police, fire, and other people who are just willingly jumping in harm's way to help other people and end up suffering or dying in the process. So there is that and they're emulating what Jesus did for us and praise God for people like that. Praise God for them. But the rest of the bloody mess about us is warping our brains. It's desensitizing the morals and ripping compassion, passion, and, and love right out of hearts. And, and we're in the middle of a world that is crying out for love and mercy. It's up to us to realize, to remember and tell others that there is power in the blood because that blood was shed out of love and mercy for you and I. I'm going to read some lyrics from a song, not the whole song, and I won't sing it. No worries, <laughs> but just a part of it. I think when it comes down to it, this song sums up part of the message that God put on my heart for this podcast. This is um, from the song Mercy by Maverick City. I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. He turned my whole life upside down. He took the old and he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. Now I'm alive to tell this story, how I've overcome. It's his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. The goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. So much power in the blood. I thought I deserved to be six feet beneath the earth for all the things I've done, the things I've said, the choices made that I regret. Oh, I would still be lost, but for the mercy of God. Now I'm alive to tell the story, how I've overcome to it's his goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done, but the goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. Okay, I am thankful that my freedom and my eternal life and, and the forgiveness that I received is not based on what I've done. But like that song says, it's based on the goodness and the mercy and the power of the blood. That is true love. All right, so this was not my typical jovial infused happy, giddy podcast, but it's where God had me this week. And this podcast isn't about me. It's about him and it's about you and you and you too. Um, <laughs> so it's about whomever God leads to it and is willing to tune into it. So I hope that you liked it. 
I hope that you loved it. I hope that something here struck a chord in your heart and in your soul. I pray and I hope that you have an open heart and mind, that you stay rooted in God's love and never, ever forget that his mercy was born of his blood and that you get to partake in that mercy and love and that you will work to show other people that same kind of love and mercy as you're on this journey. Till next time, grace and peace.